Welcome to Keeping Score. I'm Rick Haro. Each week we bring you insights from the playmakers, dealmakers, and rule makers in the world of sports. I'll give you my take on some of the items of the week using my 30 years of experience doing deals for teams, leagues, and players in the $750 billion business of sports. Plus, we'll talk with a central figure in the sports world. The views expressed in this podcast are my own and do not represent the views of Reuters. Let's get started. Sports professor Rick Haro, and we're keeping score in a trillion-dollar sports business. Some say $750 million, some say trillion. The numbers are prolific, and they're growing no matter what, and it can't be ignored. On the field, certainly. Off the field, definitely. Tiger, Tiger, Tiger dominates the headlines, but we do have hockey and basketball playoffs, the NFL draft, the uh, uh, across-the-pond football-slash-soccer seasons are moving toward a crescendo. Let's first start with the deal-making issues of the week, 3-1. to one. Number three is Tiger Woods's measurement. His comeback is for the ages, but Apex Marketing Group identified a $22.5 million exposure for Nike, according to Apex Marketing Group. $23.5 million total exposure for his sponsors, AT&T, Gillette, Tag, Heuer, left Woods, probably mistaken, who knows, Monster Energy on his bag, nearly a million dollar exposure. The stock price of Nike rose about 2% and 2 billion dollars to Nike's market value. Callaway Golf spiked as much as 4% for the Masters through Monday. Akushnet, which owns Titleist, jumped nearly 5%. Not even Tiger trying to chase Jack in and of itself adds to the luster. The entire golf industry benefits more than anybody knows. Check back in five years. Number two, London set to lose the ATP finals after 2020, with ATP reportedly favoring moving the late-season men's event to Turin. In Italy, the Daily Telegraph says that the move may be away from the O2 arena. Italy's bid apparently unlikely to sell as many tickets at the O2, but Italian media reports say the Turin's mayor says he's willing to put up an additional guarantee of $17 million in order to secure the rights. And why not? A major success in London, drawing more than 250,000 people each year and accounting for 15% of the governing body's revenues, amounting to $144 million for the last financial year. So probably a $17 million well spent. Number one, the NFL draft. It affects everybody internationally. Nashville, Tennessee, the southern country capital of the world, country music, and they know how to put on events, country music awards, ceremonies, the NHL All-Star Game. Now it's the draft and maybe up to $130 million of economic impact. And just to show that the draft times out to major events as well, Russell Wilson thinks it does. The Seahawks quarterback gets the richest signing bonus ever at $65 million, a four-year $140 million extension that puts him ahead of Aaron Rodgers as far as numbers. The rumor that Russell Wilson's wife preferred New York, in hindsight, it was all staged around the draft hype, as the draft does every year, and football takes center stage. Speaking of football, our interview today is football, but it's a lot of different contexts. Oliver Luck. He is the commissioner of the XFL, which now carries the banner as the only 
spring football league that probably has a chance. There were four after last football season. One, the Alliance of American Football quickly folded. This one is Vince McMahon's next try. Oliver Luck, great guy to run it, by the way. He started as a quarterback and then went to the World League of American Football, which everybody international probably knows him. Athletic director at the University of West Virginia, created the Houston Dynamos uh, soccer team, became an NCAA specialist in enforcement and writing the rules as their senior vice president. Now the XFL commissioner looking to grow the credibility of the league before starts next February. A lot to talk about. Oliver Luck. Oh, by the way, he's Andrew Luck's father. Andrew Luck, all-pro quarterback for the Indianapolis Colts. Yeah, we'll get into that too. Without further ado, Oliver Luck. We have the commissioner that presides over all of football with us today. Incredibly proud, a long and illustrious career. Uh, Paul, uh, Roger, no, it's Oliver Luck. Ah. Oliver, Oliver Luck, the commissioner of the XFL, and I'm certainly not cynical about it. Don't mean to minimize it. You take a look at some of the information. I'm serious about it. This is a league that's on the way to success, largely because of Oliver's even temperament, certainly the capital, but his bridge building skills as well. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on the podcast. Looking forward to it. Absolutely. Thank you very much. So we are here attracting a great crowd, and everybody thought that everybody was lined up for Oliver Luck's autograph, by the way. No, two things. One is they think they're getting Andrew's autograph, and he's not here. Andrew <laughs> Luck is kid. And then second is uh, Miami Super Bowl 2020 is pounding coconuts in the background, and we have a line there. So I can I can do Andrew's autograph, though, if, people want to, if they really want I, that. I'm pretty sure. So they won't go home empty-handed. And by the way, you are probably the only one who could really get away with that. <laughs> yeah. Well, my wife won't let me do it, though. No, uh, she frowns on that sort I'm of behavior. Sure. I'm pretty sure. Nor, nor will he. Yeah. So, the morning of June 4th, June 5th, whatever it is, 2018, clearly life-changing for you for a lot of reasons. Vince and you had a lot of conversations before that, but that was your announcement. So, give me your mindset as to why you did it and how you feel now. Sure. So, I was working at the NCAA, as you know, you know, uh, EVP of Regulatory Affairs, basically a number two to uh, to Mark Emmert, whom I really appreciate. He has a hard job. It's tough running college athletics. And I was aware that Vince had made an announcement last January that the league was going to be relaunched, but I didn't really pay much attention to it, quite honestly. So one of his guys reached out and said, hey, would you take a meeting with Vince? And I said, sure. Uh, you know, I didn't know him, didn't met, I had never met him. I uh, was sort of impressed with his entrepreneurial bent in building up WWE into a, you know, publicly traded billion-dollar-a-year company. It's remarkable. So he reached out to you? He reached out to air, me basically. out of thin air, and, uh, you know, I ran NFL Europe, so yeah, there's yeah. not, it's a pretty select group, you know, that's run professional football leagues and, and started them from scratch, right? So, uh, anyway, I sat with them, and over the course of a couple of days, and, you know, I wanted to really understand why he wanted to do this, and would he do it, you know, as the Brits would say, in a proper fashion, right? right? Uh, because the first time around wasn't good. Football wasn't good. It was gimmicky, and, you know, I, I wouldn't want to be part of a bad football league with lots of gimmicks. I don't think the American public likes gimmicks, right? right? Particularly when it comes to something important like football. Yeah, football right. So, um, you know, he convinced me that uh, he was going to you know hire somebody that knew football and could build that league the way it should be built and you know everything I've experienced in the last six seven months as I've been on board has been just that he's given me all the rope I need as I say to hang myself presumption of and you're not <laughs> presumption of uh, the he hate me days and now you have until early 2020 to prove that wrong in eight cities his comment or yours about reimagining football what exactly 
exactly does that mean? Yeah, so what he wants is a up-tempo game, right? Um, fewer stoppages, fewer breaks, right? You know, the, the college and pro balls sometimes can go on forever, right? Oh, there's a good reason. They're commercial. Well, that's that, that's that's true. That's true. But, yeah, think of all the you know, split screen that's now taking place, right? So, you know, up-tempo game, um, you know, uh, he wants to be innovative in, in what we do, right? So, uh, you know, shorter breaks, so and get it all done in three hours. Right? Remember back in the old days, the 1970s or the 80s or the 90s when, you know, a game just really got done under three hours. Right. So, uh, I think, you know, the talent pool of players and coaches is pretty deep, pretty rich, pretty broad. And then we can we can find guys that are able to, you know, deliver on that promise, right? So, um, we've got, uh, very soon we'll be announcing our broadcast partners. Uh, we have four games a weekend, right? Eight, eight teams, four games a weekend. All those games will be broadcast, every last one, either terrestrially or fully distributed cable. So we're going to have multiple, some... Multiple partners? Multiple partners. We're going to have some great broadcast deals. We're not far from naming uh, our head coaches, right? Uh, I've got four signed and uh, four more to come because uh, I'm acting like an, the owner of each one of these teams, right? Really? Because, you know, Vince owns them. And, and it's not as if you're not experienced doing it. Yeah, I, I hired coaches over yeah, in Europe, right. you know, uh, multiple times, right, right. with our league. So uh, it, it's, you know, it's, it's coming together. We have the gift of time. I wouldn't have taken this job, Rick. You know, Vince said, you got three months and we got we got to play. I said, nope, don't want it. <laughs> you know, yeah. you need time. You need time in any part, startup. Part of it, to, yeah, any startup. Any startup. But part of it is the nuts and bolts of the widgets and everything you need to do stadiums all. And part of it is the reimagining, the reimagining. That's right. Basically. That's right. So we've taken all these ideas. We have a different kickoff we're looking at. We have a different punt we're looking at. We're looking at a 25-second clock versus the 40-second clock. We're looking at a different overtime, right? We're looking at having an eighth referee. Yeah. <laughs> what a nice, novel idea, yeah. you know. That, it's a replay. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, uh, so all that stuff. But you have to test it as well, you know. And so we're testing it already with uh, junior colleges back in December of this past year. We're working with the Spring League. Uh, might be yeah. familiar to you. The yeah. Your Call Football League. Right. These are all, you know, we basically borrow these these uh, league's players for three or four days yeah. and run 55 of our new kickoffs to make sure we've got it right and, you know, punts and all that kind of stuff. You, you think, I've always found it interesting. My dad was a chemical engineer and he used to preach about the importance of R&D to DuPont, where he worked. Think about the NFL, $14, $15 billion a year company. There's not much R&D going on, <laughs> yeah, right? right? You know, or college football, right. right? Very popular, but not much R&D. So we want to make sure we test these things as best we can before we, you know, etch them in our rule book. Right. But the other piece of it is, is to develop a consensus as meaningful partners. The one thing I noticed about your release was how glowing Mark Emmert was, and it didn't look like a normal comment. To me, it looked like something that was a friend that really wanted to send you off on the right foot. I mean, the same thing, I assume, with Roger Goodell. You told me a story, but tell it in your own way. But so, how do you feel like you have the ability to bridge build? Well, you know, I, I think everybody in the football business should be rooting for everybody else in the football business, right? In theory. I, in, theory. in theory, right? I think that a rising tide lifts all boats. I think that we're at a high water mark in terms of football. The NFL is extraordinarily popular, as is, you know, major college ball and even small college ball. So I think there's, you know, plenty of room for everybody to sort of play in this space, right? Uh, but I think it's important to have good relationships with the National Football League or, you know, good relationships with major college football. You know, you catch more flies with honey than you do with vinegar. I've always believed that. And that's, you know, that's appropriate. You know, so, you know, relationships with Roger or Mark or other folks, to me, they're important. Not just from a personal standpoint, but also from a professional standpoint. Well, here's my take on that. You've used, and I mean this with respect, you've used three really good sayings in the last two minutes that catch my flies. And you got three, and I'm sure you know But the bottom line is that University of West Virginia, World League of American Football, Houston Dynamo,
demo, you know, NCAA, you've, no, bridge building means chops to be able to walk into a room and say, I've done it. I'm doing it. And so that, to me, is a missing link that other people may not have had. Well, you know, I guess there's a select group of people that have actually started football leagues yeah. <laughs> and run them, you know. On one hand. Or, or even started, you know, a franchise like the Dynamo, right? Yeah. It was the old San Jose Earthquake coming down to Houston, et cetera. So, you know, it's a, it's a select few, right? So I, I feel like you've done it before and you have a, you have confidence in your experience, all right, to handle it again. How do you feel about your PR person eating while you're, while you're doing your uh, I feel great if she'd give me a little a bite or save something for me. No, 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 you don't have time. That's right. We don't have time. That's right. That's right. Yeah. No, no problem. He, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, this is the hardest working guy. I used to say in, in college sports and television, whatever it is, but now you're the, you're the hardest working guy in, in your amalgamation of future success. <laughs> talk about, let's, 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 let's do the cynical and let's, let's, let's do the, uh, the cynical and, 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 and get it out of the way for a minute. Uh, you got four leagues who are not this year, but next year and the next couple of years. The, the NFL has gone from uh, uh, WFL to USFL to kind of a free time to uh, at least right, one right, league right. was that was yours. Now you got you got four, and the uninformed would say, including one that starts tomorrow, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The uninformed would say, what what gives you the reason? You've had the presumption of failure. You know, tell us why this is sure. Uh, it's really just a couple things: capital, money matters, right? Yeah. Any startup, and you know, Vince is putting. Uh, a minimum of 500 million bucks behind this venture time which you know which we we, we have and the ability to plan uh, very powerful partners which you know we, we'll be announcing very soon and I think the other thing is this disciplined decision making so you know think about the USFL I remember going to Houston Gambler games the place is, the place was rocking right the old Astrodome if they yeah Jerry Argovitz if they had stayed in the spring had disciplined decision making that would be a very valuable property today but they didn't right, right? they made no, we shouldn't. <laughs> but, uh, you know, they moved to the fall. That was a bad decision. Lack of decision-making yeah. discipline. But uh, that's the vision we have, right? Yeah. So, you know, you build. But Lamar Hunt was a uh, you know, very interested in NFL Europe when I was running the league. Right. Uh, and Lamar used to say to me, Oliver, you always have to remember who you are, but more importantly, who you're not. So we have to remember who we're not. We're not the National Football League and never will be, right? But we can be the XFL and build our league in the spring, bind our own business, if you will, have good relations with everybody, right, in the football world, because I think it's all important. Uh, but I think we can build up uh, brands that people kind of like and watch and follow. Shift gears a few minutes. Is college football heading in the right direction? You've been there not only at the governing level, ladies and gentlemen, in Indy, but you were there running the uh, University of West Virginia, and you had some notoriety on the field there, too. So, obviously, you had some perspective. Is it moving in the right direction? I, I think it is. I think it's in a pretty healthy spot. Uh, I think that, uh, you know, by and large, uh, it's, 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 it's good. Listen, it better be going in the right direction because the revenue from college football is paying for the swim team and the lacrosse and people always forget it but it it carries your athletic department same thing for men's basketball right for the for the schools not you know there with a with a revenue producing football team so i think i think the governance of football is actually pretty good i'm opposed to paying players that question always comes up you know because i think that the, yeah, yeah that's right exactly yeah no but i do think that that uh, you can provide some additional benefits for players I, why not have a scholarship include grad school. Right. Right? Why not have the scholarship include a year abroad right. if you want to spend time, you know, overseas as part of your education? Right? Why not, you know, three or four years of insurance after school? My, 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 my unsolicited comment that I've shared with guys like Joe Castiglione and others is that your your gain, the XFL, is a loss. Uh, 
the governance committee structure. You know, there's so many things that the is, is Joe. You, is no Joe, question, no question. Yeah. Is Joe not the best AD in the world? Hiring Bob Stoops, yeah, with that great run, and right. then hiring Lincoln right. Riley. Is that not? Well, I mean, and, Joe and is the most. By the way, we'll, we'll do it in a minute. We're promoting. We have a book. We'll do it much more time. He's one of our chapter writers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we picked only the best, which is one of the reasons why you're there. But the bottom line is that Joe is one of the best linear thinkers as well. So, uh, you know, God bless college football for surrounding themselves with the right people because you hear playoffs and, you know, these four teams deserve it this year, so they're fine. What about next year? You don't make decisions. So, the other question about looking back, here's a West Virginia guy who went to Texas Law School, did the Big 12 deal with West Virginia and Big 12. If you had it to do over again today, would you do it? Uh, I would. West Virginia culturally is much like uh, the Big 12. And I say that in this in this sense, right? Appalachia goes all the way out to include Oklahoma. I think Oklahoma State and University of Oklahoma are very much like WVU. It includes you know, places like Kansas State and Kansas and Iowa State, yeah. right? I mean, you know, actually we had more in common. We have more in common with the Big 12 schools than we did with our old Big East companions. Yeah. Syracuse had nothing in common with WVU. <laughs> Seriously. Georgetown had very little in common with WVU, but Oklahoma State does. Texas right. Tech does, right? right? So I really think it's a culturally a very good fit, even though the geography is a little bit <laughs> odd, right? But, you know, it's it's culturally a very good fit for the Mountaineers. Well, it's as odd as uh, Rutgers being in the West, or it's <laughs> yeah, as odd yeah. as everything else is. So that's yeah. clearly not the dimension. That's right. And if that's going in the right direction, then, so what about MLS? And then we'll... we'll oh, I'm, I'm a huge fan of what Don Garber has done. You know, he, if you go back and look at where they were when he took that job in, I don't know, two, 2000 maybe, where they are today, it's, it's incredible. The value of the franchise is the quality of the league. It's got a ways to go still. It's still has got to figure out how to break that TV question, right? You know, it's not destination viewing for the vast majority of people. And that's that's a, that's a challenge. NFL is. And XFL hopes to be destination viewing. But, you know, MLS has to kind of in, increase the opportunity for, for the TV broadcast and, and expand their audience. Um, what does it feel like when people stop you on the street and say, uh, how's Andrew? Can you get me to Andrew? No, they say, uh, tell Andrew I got him on my fantasy team, so he needs to throw a bunch. You know, I say... You think he cares about that? Yeah, no, I mean, really, I really, I really, no, no, that's no, that's the question. That, right? That's the yeah. question I get. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure. I said, hey, I'm great. That good, good job. But you know, I'm well, not going to. Ladies and gentlemen, in that context. <laughs> and by the way, he is one of our uh, contributors to the Sport Business Handbook. You hear a lot more about it, but you know, key people in the industry, uh, Paul Tagliabue is in there, Steve Russ in there, and on and on and on. So uh, it's as good as it gets. Uh, Andrew Luck. Oh, excuse me, Oliver Luck. Thank you very much. Thank you, Rick. I appreciate it. You bet. My thank pleasure. You. Rick Carl, speak with you soon. Yeah, Oliver Luck gets a kick out of being referred to as Andrew Luck's father, but it comes with real substance, real training, and real perspective. Good for him. Let's now get to the top tech minute, the top three issues in the sports tech space. Three to one. Number three, tiger, 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 but in another context, a billion minutes of streamed coverage for golf with the Masters victory, more than a billion minutes of coverage streamed as he secured his first major victory since 2008, an average audience of 450,000 per minute watched the live stream from Augusta, according to SportsPro, and an average of 10.8 million viewers tuned in to watch CBS's coverage of the final round on Sunday, the most watched morning golf broadcast in 32 years. If it was afternoon in America, it would have been off the charts, but it was on off the charts anyway. The final day of play drew a combined 37.2 million viewers, the highest Sunday coverage of the Masters since 2013. And by the way, what does CBS do when they get a hot property? They replay it right after the old round on the same day. 
that averaged 4.5 million viewers, even though everybody knew the result. How's that? Number two, Twitch with a preferred streaming destination for Adidas Cup. As part of the MLS agreement, they stream video covered for 66 matches from elite youth tournament to a global audience live from Toyota Stadium in Frisco, Texas. According to the MLS, the league also showcased off-field programming through player engagement seminars and coaching symposium talks in addition to streaming live matches. The games at the Cup hosted matches both under 17 and under 15 divisions. Generation Adidas Cup is the latest MLS event to integrate Twitch as a featured distribution platform, joining eMLS Cup March 30th in Boston. And breaking into youth sports may be the next big marketing key for a progressively more crowded sports OTT and streaming field. And speaking of esports, number one, they announce a $46 million round of funding, including Will Smith. According to Esports Insider, other new partners include Japanese soccer stars, LA Clippers minority owner Dennis Wong, former chairman of U.S. Investments Alibaba Group Michael Seiser, and Masterclass co-founder and CEO David Rogier, two-time NBA champion and current Gen, Gen Z player management advisor Chris, Chris Bosch, continues to lead the team's creative and commercial endeavors, while the new capital will go towards supporting the ongoing expansion of Gen G's global footprint. Honda's presence also helped build esports in Japan and other nations with budding esports communities, while Smith's investment adds to the list of big name U.S. esports investors. It's big and it only gets bigger. That's the Tech Top 3 and Tech Sports Minute. Finally, the power of sports this week. Two big issues. First, a Bay Area high schooler creates a charity to help sports communities around the world. He suffered a concussion at age 15 that put her, put her, she suffered it, that put her on the sidelines, unable to play soccer or basketball for a long period of time. And she realized that she had accumulated a surplus of uniforms during her time playing over the, over the years. And those jerseys could be put to good use. And after visiting the impoverished neighborhoods of Cetus Solil and the Port-au-Prince section of Haiti, she decided to not only start donating her old jerseys, but also start a charity. According to KRON Channel 4, the nonprofit SKC charity has been contacting colleges all across the U.S., asking athletes and athletic departments to donate old uniforms, with many happy to help. The nonprofit also organizes free introductory basketball and soccer camps for children that has helped over 4,000 kids worldwide to date. Certainly really important. And finally, number one, sports anti-racism charities join local government to fight anti-Semitism. It's called Action Against Discrimination, AAD. And it's joining the UK government's new working board to tackle racism and anti-Semitism in sport. According to the Jewish News, the group, which is set up by UK sports minister Mims Davies, is reviewing soccer's current sanctioning regime to create a closer partnership between soccer authorities and the police to better identify offenders at matches. Tackling hate in sports is a large issue that continues to permeate UEFA, MLB, the NHL, and the NBA. And of course, by teaming up with governments, more direct action will be committed with the UK toward changing the status quo of waving aside offensive and derogatory language in professional sport. Kudos to both of those. That's our Power Sports Minute. 
Thanks to Oliver Luck. Thanks to Tanner Simpkins and, and others for the podcast together. Thanks for you all and Oliver Luck's people for helping us define what the XFL will be in the future. Thanks to everybody for listening and joining us next time when we enjoy keeping score. Thanks for listening to this edition of Keeping Score. Assistance provided by Carlos Swadek, Tanner Simpkins, Reuters Digital. I'm Ricaro. Thanks again for listening. See you next time on Keeping Score.